Welcome along to The Loftcast. I'm Paul Morrissey. I'm joined today by club ambassador Andy Sinton and my media colleague Ian Taylor. We'll be chatting about another hectic week of fixtures, looking back on our games against Ipswich and Millwall and previewing this weekend's trip to Middlesbrough. The win over the Tractor Boys was the perfect way for us to celebrate the 100th anniversary since our first game at Loftus Road and we'll be having a chat with Mr Sinton about how much he and his fellow Forever R's enjoyed the reception that they got from the R's fans at half-time. And as we get ready for that fixture in the North East, we'll get the thoughts of this chap. Freeman. Smith right! Yes! Matt Smith scores and Rangers are level! Ian, let's start looking back on the, the win over Ipswich and dare I say it, there's a, a bit of a feel-good factor around Loftus Road at the minute. Yeah, what's that? Uh, three wins out of, out of three, so uh, yeah, really good. Another really good performance, you know, high-energy stuff uh, and I thought we fully deserved the three points. Of course, we're currently talking prior to the game against Millwall, but as we sit here at this moment in time in the Loftcast, it has been a, an incredible start in the league at Loftus Road. Not just the results, as we keep on saying, but the manner of the performances as well. They're, they're well-deserved three points that we're picking up. Yeah, that's the pleasing thing, is the performance. I'm a great believer sometimes, you know, unless you're unlucky, you get what your performances uh, sort of warrant. And I think all the games, even the away games, um, we've done quite well uh, in all of them. But certainly at home, we've been excellent from, from the Reading game, the combat against Hull, and the other day where we, we, we totally bust the game, I thought. And tells the, the tempo of the performances as well. There's a, a consistency to them. And, and again, it was present against Ipswich and probably more so against Ipswich than any other team in that it was pretty much from start to almost finish. Yeah, it was one-way traffic, I thought. Um, personally, I, I, I can't remember many games in the last couple of years uh, where we've dominated as much as we did. Totally orchestrated proceedings from start to finish, bar the... 89th minute where uh, Selena scores uh, a fantastic goal. Um, but yeah, 2-1 wasn't a fair reflection. If we'd have run out four or five nil winners on the day, I don't think Mick McCarthy, despite moaning about the first goal, um, I don't think him or, or his Ipswich players could have moaned too much at all. And since said, sorry, uh, Holloway said since, before the game, <laughs> that it was in the midfield where he believed the battle would be won. And if that was the case, the battle was certainly won by QPR's trio in the middle and, as Neda Manua calls them, the dogs. Well, to beat an Ipswich side or a Mick McCarthy side, you're going to have to outwork them first and foremost. You know, we, we, we spoke about that last week prior to the game uh, and that's what we did. But our midfield, um, from the first game of the season, I think they've all complemented each other. Uh, they all seem to have a great understanding together and that, as a unit, mm. uh, they were outstanding. I think Mick McCarthy changed the sort of formation after about 20 minutes. I thought he thought he was getting outnumbered a little bit, so he almost matched up to try and stem the tide. But uh, that wasn't the be because our boys kept going and going and going and came out on top. Cole Scoose is a player who, over the years, I've seen dominate football matches, just sitting in there mm. in the middle of midfield, just spraying the passes, keeping the ball. But in Josh Scoan, we had someone that did exactly that. And when he sits in front of that back three or back four, whatever it may be, back five at times, um, he just gives the other two the licence to go and express themselves and those two are on fire at the minute, aren't mm. they? And, yeah, if Massimo Longo adds goals to his game, <laughs> my concern is how long we're going to keep him because <laughs> his upper body strength now is, is exceptional, the way he bounces off players and I think he's probably learnt a little bit from Luke in that respect because Luke's got that 
unbelievable knack of just edging into a player, bouncing off, and then creating that half a yard <laughs> to, like he did for the goal. Mm. Like he did for the goal. You're um, talking about Mosley Tales. What pleases me about him, certainly on Saturday, as well as that ability or that confidence now to hit things mm. from 20 yard yards. I think he had one that keep a palm around the post yeah. and one that just fizzed wide, you know. So that's really encouraging to see because, that's as you say, though, isn't it? Yeah, mm. that comes from playing and playing well. And uh, as I say, confidence is a, is a strange thing, but he's been exceptional. A key indicator of a good performance, a good team performance, is afterwards you say to people, like we say up in the office or afterwards speaking to people at the game, who's your man of the match? And the amount of different names you I get. i tell you it wasn't for the first time. Yep. And we often mention his name is Alex, <laughs> Alex Smithy. Smithy. Yeah. No one's really, I mean, <laughs> Alex nice has as well, a, isn't it? a solid start to the season. Mm. But whereas last year it was all... Alex manned the match again. Yeah, yeah, we won, but Alex probably manned the match again. Now you're talking about the forward-thinking players and, and their man of the match, and the, you know the creative midfielders are, are the names that are on your lips as you know as the fans leave the stadium. I was in a, I was in one of the local pubs, a pocket watch on Saturday night, just me and a colleague Dan from the marketing department, and it's got to be one of the first times that you know you're in and around and the the late game was on and everybody was so confident mm. and so praiseworthy of our start to the season and. I don't remember the fan base being this united and behind the team for a long while. We are talking before Ipswich, uh, sorry, before Millwall, so we don't know what Tuesday night would have, <laughs> as, as we speak, we don't know that by the ball, but the, we seem to have not stumbled across something because I think that would be doing Ian, Mark, Curtis and co a disservice and the players a disservice, but there seems to be a bit of gradual momentum here mm. now and the longer we can maintain that, the better. And great to see Jamie Mackey on the score sheet once again. And it was a, a goal that was deserved as the, the game was panning out. We were, were dominant and it was a, a well-taken goal. Afterwards, Mick McCarthy was a, a bit disappointed that the fourth official perhaps hadn't spotted a handball from Masaluongo in the lead-up to it. But it was a, a well-taken goal. Could you see that from the gantry where no, you were? No, so you, we were, obviously I was on the opposite side to you and I... I instantly said handball straight away. Yep. And then when they played the advantage, well, not the advantage because you didn't see it, did he? But we took full advantage. Um, and like you say, it was, it was almost a, an, a, yeah, an innocuous ball across the box from, from Pavel, but Mackie arrived bang on cue and it was an mm. unbelievable yeah, finish. Yeah, really, came, really came, across, finish. came across his marker, which, you know, as you're playing, he was slightly wider at the time mm. uh, and a really, really calm finish. And, you know, Jamie had a... I was watching Jamie quite closely because he's playing right in front of us and from the first minute he was playing up against um, Callum Connolly who was making his debut and I think I said on Connolly this kid's going to know he's in for a game today because mm -hmm. Jamie never gave him an inch mm -hmm. you know, got involved with a couple of tussles and sort of wore him down a little yeah, bit Yeah but that's good isn't it like you say got involved with a couple of tussles but it was it was good like you say wore him down and, and again it was showing a case of we're it, Whichever way you want to play this game, we, we, we can handle that you way. You see Mick McCarthy, because like, he, he would know what Mac is all about. Mm. He's, a, you know, he's a dog of war, isn't he? He, <laughs> just, he puts himself body on the line. Um, and you know, they, they had a couple of young centre-halves um, and well, a couple of young players in that back four. I don't think they've come up against an old-school player like Jamie mm. Mackey for probably you know, in, the, in the infancy of their career. But I think he had him on toast and Connor. Connor was working brilliantly around him. Didn't, you know, Connor didn't get the goal his performance deserved for mm. me because I thought, bar, bar one or two opportunities he had, I, I thought his, his work rate off the ball as well as on it was. And was again, the, the fans recognised that with the reception he yeah. got when, when he left the pitch. And that's good. That's, you know, again, there's been so many times uh, in the last 18 months or so, and you know, there's been jeers as, mm. been jeers as, been jeers as players go, um, go off the pitch and the substitute. But now it, you know, stand innovations, yeah. which is just amazing. It's, 
it's not pinch yourself time because you know it's it's a marathon and not a sprint but the start we've made is really encouraging absolutely and uh the second goal which proved to be the winner from luke freeman am i right in saying you congratulated him on his toe punt yeah. after the game yeah I'd, uh, in real time i thought that is just a toe poke and it was and he but he did actually say to me i mean you see people like Ronaldo do that all the time, don't you? And you know that they definitely mean it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, Luke, Luke's a quality player, and I'm sure he meant it as well. Yeah. And he did. And he said that the best thing about it was it when you do that instinctive kind of toe poke, the keeper can't set himself. Mm. And before the keeper can set himself, the it's ball's in the back of the net. Yeah. It's probably the people only said no. bad keeping, but I thought it was good attacking. Yeah, it was just Luke. clever. It's probably the only way he can Freeman. strike the ball because if you look at it, he gets the ball right under his body mm. and he's got almost like dig it out and yep. that's the only technique he can use and if you watch it, it just gets a little dip just before the goalkeeper and that gives the keeper no chance. But the, it was a piece of skill before he's left yeah. two or three in his way, creates that yard and... And he did that not just for the goal, he did that time and time again during what the game, didn't he? Laugh, though, he's missed some sitters this year and <laughs> he from yeah. eight, ten yards that he'd back himself every time and then the tough opportunity presents itself and bloody hell did he take advantage. He certainly did. And we were cruising, the cigars were being lit <laughs> and then Burson Salinas scores a, a fantastic goal. And It wouldn't be the 100th point, anniversary celebration without a bit of... It, it just sums QPR up, yeah. didn't it? Just when you look like things are going oh so smoothly, something like that happens and we always say, or since you always say it, goals change games. And that goal just completely changed everything. Suddenly Ipswich, who should have been dead and buried but weren't, were banging the game. And QPR, who should have been home and hose but weren't, were, were panicking, dare I say, yep. that they were going to throw away what was a fantastic performance. That's the championship. But we, we clung on. Well, he comes off the bench. He's got a point to prove, you know. He's a, you know, from Kosovo. He's, Kid he, from Man he, City, isn't he? Is he yeah, on he's on loan from Man City. He's got a point to prove, you know. He probably doesn't want to come from Man City and sit on the bench, so he wants to impress... And he's done that. My first reaction from the gantry was when the goal was to, was to look at the clock. Yeah. Mm. And I'm thinking, cool, dear, because I know he's going to add four or five. And I'm thinking, you know, we've been in total control yeah. of this game and we're going to have an uneasy seven minutes. And in all tense, of her, Tom Adamey should, should have made a 2-2, which he would have walked off that pitch totally bewildered. Body blow, yeah. wouldn't it? It would. But what, I, what it did encourage me, bar that chance for um, Tom Adamey, was the, the body on the line stuff, Robinson, mm. Smith, Anua, all through their body on the line. And again, 18 months ago, I don't think you'd have seen that. That, for me, epitomised what an Ollie, a Bertram, a Fleming team is all about. Bodies on the line, even in the last minute. The fitness levels are really coming through now. You can see mm. that in the performances. We're getting stronger and stronger as the games go on fitness-wise. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really encouraging. And I think a lot of credit has to go to... Not only the manager and his staff, but Les Ferdinand and the way you know the recruitment drive has gone this summer. Players that have come Can in. I just pick up on something there, Ian. You mentioned about the fitness. I've been at a training ground today and I'm privy, and as you're walking down the corridor, there's certain things pinned up on the wall. I've seen the distance the guys covered on Saturday. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. The high intensity sprints distances. What, incredible in terms of what, what you'd normally expect. Yeah, I think we're well above the, uh, I would like to know what the average is, but what I've seen today, and I wouldn't say it's here, but yeah. uh, I thought it was, wow. Uh, but Ollie's said that from the outset, hasn't he? He's, and we always have this debate, you know, managers come in and say pre-season, you know, this would be the toughest one they've ever had, but I saw it. That's the toughest one I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> and I was just watching. Um, and, you know, since you've been involved in well, teams alongside Ollie, you've played with him, you know what the demands I, he puts I played in the Jerry Francis team, you know, and we've got a lot of pats on the back. But I'll tell you what, we were one of the fittest teams in the league because of what way. we did in pre-season and what we used to do every Tuesday when there was mm -hmm. no midweek game. OK, and afterwards, Mick McCarthy said about 
Ipswich late goal. The goal put a gloss on the performance that wasn't really there for me. What few chances we had, we didn't do enough with them. And then he said it was handball for their first goal, clearly. <laughs> the QPR bench were laughing at the officials. It ended up in our net. It certainly wasn't funny. I can only guess... I it was hilarious. Be, I can only <laughs> guess it would be Mark Bertram standing there laughing his head off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think where where you guys are positioned and you're just behind the bench, Moss, it would have been clear. Mm. But for most other people, including the referee, including Andy on the gantry, it wasn't that clear. You win them, you lose them. We won it and we won the game. And uh, our first look as well at David Wheeler. Since, what did you make of him? Obviously, he's, he's joined us from Exeter. Had an incredible season last year, scoring 21 goals from the, the right wing. He came on for Pavel Shoak, played in a right wing back position, but very nearly capped his... Um, his performance with a goal. Yeah, almost his first touch. I think he just mm. dragged one wide, which um, I spoke to him quickly afterwards, and he just said he was a bit disappointed that he didn't hit the target. But, you know, in many senses, the way the game was going, it was almost quite a nice time for him to come in, mm. if that makes sense. Because <laughs> we were cruising, weren't we? Because we were cruising. So he didn't have to come and try and do something out of the ordinary to get us back into the game or win us the game. But, as I say, he had a bit of defending to do in the last six or seven minutes, and he, he did that quite well as well. Well, like we said, it was a almost a, a typical QPR performance in that it was excitement right up until the end and we clung on for the three points, which was greatly appreciated and it was the perfect way to mark the 100th anniversary since our first fixture at Loftus Road. And Andy, it was great to have so many Forever R's players back, including yourself, out on the pitch at half-time. Yeah, it was fantastic. I think we had 20-plus, you know, which is which is great to get together all in, in one game. Um no, a little bit of sadness. People that like couldn't come, you would have loved. And uh, if it was an ideal world, you'd love to see Stan Bowles back, Dave Thomas, Jerry Francis, mm. you know, Rodney Marsh. Uh, but sometimes it's not possible, and we have to accept that. But uh, lovely day. Uh, you, you know, the the guys who come back thoroughly enjoyed it, judging by the texts and the emails that we've got. And it was always fitting you don't want them to come back and you're 3-0 down at half time and have to go mm. on the pitch because yeah. the atmosphere wouldn't quite be the same so to, to get to get them on while we're winning the game was really really good and uh, I was very proud to be part of the day uh, and it's great to see those guys along with all the fans go away with smiles on their faces we need to do these themed matches every week because every time we've we got a good we record win. haven't we yeah. <laughs> you look back on it Stan Bowles game for example yeah. a couple of years ago you know, there's so many examples over the years where we do tend to win those matches. Well, that's what the, the 66, 67 boys, uh, yeah. uh, Frank Sibley and Mark Lazarus, they were saying that. You know, get us back every week, but they know. They've got an open invitation to come back whenever they want. And obviously the, the fans just really get to see them during that 15-minute spell when they come onto the pitch and get the reception. We'll talk about that in a moment. But also, you know, it's a full day for the, all those former players. They arrive from half 12, 1 o'clock, and they're all together in the the exec boxes and it's great to see them all in there all mingling and not just the teammates and former teammates but it's players spanning completely different mm. generations who are all re-engaging or almost getting to know each other as well yeah that's the nice part when you see them they come together someone will walk through the door and it's a big hug uh, you know they're, they're very quickly you slip into reminiscent mode about certain games certain times uh, there's lots of laughs going on so you can imagine what's going on and it's 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 just great and that's that's what we want to do with this Forever Ask Club and it's, it's working really, really well. And uh, your speech at half-time 
Um, it's gone down very well with the, the QPR supporters. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we need that just before Your kickoff. Needs yeah, <laughs> it was a but it, uh, it was a very emotional speech from you. Obviously, it means a lot what the work you're doing with the Forever Hours and the response that it's getting from the supporters. I think uh, I know. I just speak from the heart. You know, you're talking about QPR as a club. Uh, I've gone on record saying time and time and time again, the four years or the four and a half years I had here were the best. Certainly the best times of my career. You know, Loftus Road is a special place, so you're not making anything up. You're actually just saying what you what you feel. Uh, very proud to see all the guys coming back. You know, I think it's well documented that QPR a few years ago maybe lost their way and that sort of thing. Well, the drive within the club now is to get that feel-good factor back and get these guys feeling, you know, appreciated for what they did and what they achieved at QPR will always be remembered. And... Uh, no, it was, just, it was just a lovely day. And I think stuff like that just makes a massive difference because even if, you know, it's great when results are going right on the pitch because it, it's almost hand in hand then, but mm. even if they're not, to be able to embrace your history and you to do an unbelievable job in getting everybody together and the whole PR campaign in the build-up, um, when we had so much else going on at the club with Grenfell, start the season, etc., to have that many people back for the day to go so well. You know, for, I love that line from Don Shanks, like, who has been part of this club for years, on and off, and played a massive part in the Stan Bowles day mm. that we had recently. For him to say that we now look like we've we've got a team of fighters here that can can grind out results. That's what it's all about. For old players mm. to come back and share that affinity with the current day QPR side is is fantastic. And for me, I, I think the three of us sitting around here doing this now, you know, it makes you proud to to be part of the current QPR because there's been a lot over the years that. People have been able to throw mud at the club, and understandably so, but give the owners credit, give the chief exec credit, give the director of football credit, because mm. it's a real team collective. We're, we're just part of you know the cogs in the wheel, but um, stuff like Saturday really shows you what a great community club QPR is. Comes out to Smith! Yes! There's the equaliser for the Arles! Well done, Matt Smith! Well done, Queen's Park Rangers, for sticking at the task. Well, Matt, we'll go through that game in chronological order. I think that's the best way to do it. You got introduced at half-time. We're 1-0 down against 10 men. And within five minutes, we're 2-0 down. And then there was a real mountain to climb. Yeah, but, you know, backs are up against it. But, um, you know, lad show great character. Don't think they really kicked the ball much in the, in the, in the second half whatsoever. So, um, you know, we, we, we drove forward with impetus. We, we gave our all to, to try and score. I think that was obvious for everyone to see. Um, but ultimately, when, when, when it's like that and they put everyone behind the ball, it can be tough to break down, you know. And obviously they put the three lads who are, you know, six foot five, six foot six, six foot seven at the back. It, it, it makes it hard when... You're, you're forced to play the ball out wide and put balls in the box and they've got all, all those bodies in there so we tried to break them down in, in all sorts of different ways and you've got to give credit to Millwall they were, they were really resilient and um, you know that, that's not an e what they did in the second half is by no means an easy job um, but you know credit credit um, credit to them but equally we, I thought we got a, a good point because as you said when you're 2-0 down in the championship it's never easy to, to salvage anything and also there was such a different approach from QPR. It wasn't a case of just putting it in the box, just putting it in the box. The three in the midfield were working the ball well to give you different angles and opportunities. And ultimately, like we spoke to Maslongo about as well, 
It can be more difficult to play against 10 when they play a, a bank of four and a bank of five. Oh, it really is. It really is. It, it sounds daft, but it, it can be the case for sure. And I think maybe the first sort of five, ten minutes, second half, we were a bit guilty of thinking it was the 85th minute, you know, not the 55th. Um, so we're saying to the lads, you know, you know, calm down. We've got plenty of time. We, you know, keep keep passing them all, keep switching the play, which we did. We, we did well. Um, you know, and, and Millwall resilient, and we we did our best. Obviously, if the clock had kept going, we probably would have got a winner. But that that's football, and um, you know, it was a tough it was a tough night for us. But I think we've got to be pleased. You know, when you're two 0 down to to come away with a point. What was that like out there, Matt? Because to to the to the watchers like us, that looked like a proper London derby. But uh, you know, looked like we were getting a bit manhandled. I seen it be a lot going on off the ball. But uh, what was it like out there? Yeah, it was exactly that. It was, you know, a very spicy London derby, very physical. I thought you could you could tell us certainly that from the from the first half. And yeah, it, it's difficult because when you're a bigger forward, you tend to you tend to get less given to you. And it's trying to say to the ref, you know, the laws of the game are the same for me as it is for everyone else on the pitch. Just because I'm taller than taller than everyone else, it's it's. Uh, have you given this? Have you given the centre half that shirt of yours? I know. Uh, yeah. He was I trying think, to pull it off your back about four or five occasions. Wasn't I, think, it? I think they were all after it for some reason. I don't know why, but um, it was difficult. I'll be honest. It was difficult because, you know, as a, as a forward in the box, you try to you make different movements. But every movement I made, I was I was filling different slots, which was filled with a player that was of my height. So it was, you know, and a lot of a lot of pulling, a lot of shirt pulling, which went a lot very unnoticed. But, you know, I, you know. Referee was probably under a lot of pressure. He'd given them a, you know, a red card in the first half, and it was it must have been a difficult night for him because I said there was a lot of off the ball instances which happened, and um, you know, did, did I think we were just of a penalty? Absolutely, I thought we were on a couple of occasions, if I'm honest. But that's football, and we rolled up our sleeves and didn't feel sorry for ourselves and, and got a just goal. We'll talk about your goal in a moment. Just on the conversations you have with the referee at times where you are being manhandled, there was one occasion where you forced a great save from the keeper and I think you had an arm around your neck when you did it. When you speak to the referee, what do you say and does the referee give you anything back in those situations? It's, it can be mixed depending on the referee. Um, you know, the, the one that is not enjoyable is when you, you get the one that sort of doesn't respond and is quiet with you because, believe you me, when it's a packed house in terms of stadium there's a lot of noise you know and you're trying to convey a message to a ref and you're not getting anything back it can, it can be quite difficult but um, a lot of the time they seem to think that you know I have an interest in holding them which always baffles me because I have absolutely no interest in holding the defender I'm just trying to get on the end of things so I think you know they have a lot of stock answers which I've heard time and time again but um, as I said it, you, you know, I'm in a position where I can't really say anything about referees but it, it can be a very mixed bag if you, if you know what I mean so it's, it's Give us your favourite stock answer before we talk about you. Didn't girl. see it. <laughs> <laughs> You're holding him, or I'll I'll, I'll keep a lookout for it. <laughs> One of those. It's, uh... Okay. Well, you did manage to break away from the shackles of the Millwall defence for your goal. Masluanga would set up the grandstand finish with a, a fine goal from his point of view and for the team. Just talk us through your goal. Yeah. Um, if honestly it happened so quickly, the ball just ricocheted up. I've just taken a chest and, and slammed it in the bottom corner. Um, you know, it was uh, it happened pretty instinctively, um, and just happy to see it go in because, as I said, it, for me personally, it was a pretty frustrating night because I was trying and trying and trying, and sometimes you have those days as a striker where just nothing is coming off for you whatsoever, and sometimes the harder you try, <laughs> you know, it just doesn't seem to fall. But you know, I was happy that that one set up nicely for me, and I could just hammer it home. So you're two 0 down, local derby. 
could have quite easily gone against you. But what does that what does that comeback sort of say for you guys as a group? You know, the management. What has that installed? Because that is a is one hell of a comeback. Yeah, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but the feeling I got amongst the group was that we're going to win the game. I did, I did, there wasn't an ounce of doubt in me, even at two 0 that. I thought we're getting something from this game, you know, you know whether we go to the 90th minute or so, we're, we're going to be, we're going to have the the lion's share of the ball, and I, I, I think you know we've got enough attacking presence and the way the manager's so positive with the substitutions, we're going to get on the end of things. So I didn't, to be honest with you, being brutally honest, I, I didn't really have any doubt that we would get back in the game. It was just a matter of of when, and you know, ran out of time in the end. So does that sort of belief? Does that you know? Do you? Do you do you give the manager quite a bit of credit for that for instilling you or has that come from the group obviously you're getting good results and playing well at the minute but there seems to be that <coughs> never say die and you know we're, we're going to keep going we're going to get something out of this game and you said a 2-0 down you felt and I felt uh, I think I said on commentary with 25 minutes to go you know we score mm. we, we could go on and win the game yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, as you said, it stems from the manager, it stems from the group of players. And that, uh, there is that sense of belief now that, you know, that's that's what comes with winning games and putting points on the board. I think we've had a really healthy start to the season. Um, you know, could have had more points, um, but equally, you know, we've had a few good comebacks. So it's, it's um, you know, we've had a healthy start and there's a lot of positivity breeding within the group. So, but as the manager said at the end, look, it's, it's a long old season. That point could be really valuable come, come the end of the season. So, you know, let's just keep keep putting points on the board and, and that's the key in the championship is just to, to keep turning them out. And you must be pleased being amongst the goals already this season? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's just when I don't feel I'm contributing to the team that's when I'll be frustrated whether that's you know impacting games, starting games, scoring goals, assisting goals. As, as long as I'm contributing to the team I'll be happy and um, you know it's been, a, it's been a good start. Obviously I'd like to 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 uh to keep going and and to get more and um you know as i said there's it's a, a nice mood in the camp i'll be honest it's um you don't want to sing it from the hilltops but it's it's a nice quiet confident mood and you know we'll be taking that to middlesbrough and just a word finally on middlesbrough they're one of the early favorites to win promotion and so far they've <coughs> justified that tag well like we were speaking on the loftcast earlier what game are you expecting up there Ian Holloway doesn't seem to know how to go to anywhere looking for anything other than three points and that seems to be what he expects from his dressing room. Yeah, you know, I think we all know it's going to be a tough game. You know, they've invested a lot of money in the squad and if you look at it on paper, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really strong squad. But the Championship's a strange division. Anyone on their day can beat anyone. It's, it's no, a game is, is never a foregone conclusion. Um, you know, they've got a lot of attacking talents in particular. Um, um, so that you know they'll be they'll be buoyant. I think they got a nil nil draw today, so they'll be wanting to to get three points on Saturday. But you know, likewise us, we, we want to keep putting points on the board. And you know, I think everyone looking at that opening month probably thought, wow, that's a, a tough tough opening month. But we we held our own, and you know, we've got a, a block of fixtures now where we really feel we can put some points on the board, and and we want to do that. Tales Middlesbrough this weekend. They're one of the favourites at the start of the season and their form thus far has justified that tag. Yeah, I think they've got the best squad in the division. Um, you know, you chat in the pub, don't you, with your mates prior to the start. Of the, we're not allowed to bet on football, so we can't have a bet on, on who we think is going to uh, get promoted. <laughs> but they would have been um, my shout for promotion. I think they've got a great manager. I think Gary Monk's top class. I think he's been unlucky that um, for one reason or another, he's not currently manager in the Premier League, mm. um, but that is what it is. Um, but yeah, they're 
you look at the money we spent, I know we'll get on to that in a minute. Um, they've also retained, you know, the likes of Ben Gibson, England sent half. Um, and they've got a player at the moment who, in, in Triore who is the quickest thing I've seen on a football pitch for <laughs> since Wayne Faraday. <laughs> <laughs> He's rapid. And um, I don't know if you saw the highlights from their game at the weekend. Mm. He was rinsing his fullback for fun. And that's going to be an area. And again, we'll touch on that in a minute. That's going to be an area that we're really going to have to to be on our metal because, um, yeah, they're a, they're a really good side. What I would say so far, and certainly that they have got a, a squad almost an embarrassment of riches, really. We just when you look at who's on their bench at the moment, it's incredible. They're, people say um, the league table can be a little bit false this early in the season, and it's because you don't play a full cross-section of teams, mm. potentially. They've got three wins. Their wins have come over Sheffield United, Burton Albion and Bolton. So they're teams that you'd argue they'd be looking to beat at, at any point in the season. They haven't had any of the big guns yet the only big gun they have had is Wolves and they lost that and do you know what that's what encourages me about our stuff yeah exactly you know, Reading, Hull and Ipswich because Reading and Hull you'd expect to be up there Ipswich have come out of the traps um, in, 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 in exceptional style and yeah yeah I mean you do look at it that way I still think it'd be a tough game mm. um, you know losing to Wolves and Forest Wolves have had a great start to the season Forest an equally decent start um, and speaking of Forest, Brett Samalonga, um, who they signed from Forest, just your 15 million quid, not a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's an incredible amount of money. Uh, four goals in six games, two in the 3-0 win uh, against Bolton at the weekend. He's a real handful, isn't he? Andy? Yeah, he's a good player. You know, saw him last year. I think he scored against us for Forest. You know, he spent a lot of time out injured. Uh, but, you know, hell of a lot of money uh, to pay. But uh, he's one of the best, and he's going to need some looking after on Saturday. And Adama Traore, <laughs> well, not... Not Did you see the highlights? Oh, my <laughs> word. <laughs> they didn't even bother going over to a Sombolonga. It was all over Triori. Oh, yeah, because yeah, it's not... he scored two goals yeah. uh, at Sombolonga and all the teammates ran to Triori. But it, it wasn't just, I mean, since you're better versed to talk about his performance than I, but it wasn't just the fact that he was getting beyond his, his marker. Or it was the, the delivery at the end of it as well. He's not just putting it into an area. You can see he's looking the whole time to see where, his, where a Sombolonga is. And then but he, what he I will on say on that is you watch him in the Premier League last year and you wouldn't have thought no this guy mm. you know it's different in the championship isn't it but what what if, if you've been a manager since what he plays on that right hand side doesn't he he's got devastating pace I guess if if it's Robbo left centre half and um, Bidwell and Bidwell left sided wing back you'd like to think two left sided players might be equal to him but when you're up against raw pace in any division on a big pitch quite a big pitch at the riverside yeah pace or something yet yeah, yeah, it's really hard to, to contend with you know best way to stop him is to stop the supply chain you know if you can we've already spoke about our midfield three yep. you know uh, come out on top of that battle press from the front so he's not getting the easy ball to his feet mm. where he can pick it up and run at you is that where Josh Gowen comes into his own probably yeah or Ollie might just subtly not man mark but with have someone tighter than would they've been almost sacrifice a player to limit that'd be really obvious to what he's doing he might just play someone maybe one of the three just a slightly a little bit wider or yeah. closer to, to Jake Bidwell or actually say to Jake, uh, Jake Bidwell get really tight and just have a word with Robert saying you know he's going to go really tight today anything over the top you need going to have to be really mm. focused on so there's different ways you can combat but listen the kid's a good player you just he's play for Barca I think that's right um, Aston Villa signed him from Barcelona for 7 million a couple of years ago like you said Tails it didn't really work for him at Villa Park um, I can only assume 
last summer. It's an undisclosed fee, but I can only assume it was in and around that figure because yeah. he's still only 20, 21 years of age. So it's a, another big outlay, but he certainly looks like he could be money well spent if and he continues to supply. And he's not the only one, is he? You know, Ashley Fletcher, six and a half million from West Ham, who's been on the bench. Yeah, he's hardly played, has he? <laughs> Every game. Um, <laughs> Martin Brathwaite, nine million from Toulouse. Patrick Bamford the season before, didn't he? Patrick Bamford, you know, they've got a... And that's why, for me, I think, come the business end, they'll be right up there because yeah. they've got an abundance of riches. Well, um, I put the kiss of death on them. And, and I said they'd win personal. the league, so they've got no chance. Well, so uh, do that every I year. I think you so, might uh, be right. I <laughs> honestly think they've got a hell of a chance. You look at, you know, I think they've, in, in your research here, Moz, you know, they've spent over 50 million quid, in, including the keeper, Johnny Housen, who's a very steady mm, editor from Norwich. Cyrus Christie, who we were linked with in pre-season. I'm not sure if there was anything in that at the time, but... Um, yeah, it's going to be tough, but the way we're playing, you know, we we haven't been overruled by anyone away from home. Even Cardiff, we were in the game right until the very last minute where Yenny could could almost equalise. A lot, of, a lot of our better performances are against the so-called big, yeah. big boys. So, uh, how, yeah. how do you see Ian Holloway approaching this one then? Because Middlesbrough, they are just going to fly out of the traps and come at us. Do we almost let them have the the early stages, or do we fight fire with fire? I probably wouldn't let them try and seize the initiative. Mm. You know, I'd really get in their faces and try and stop them playing. Obviously, you know, they've got good players. They're going to have uh, pockets of the game where they're going to dominate the ball and get at you. But you know what? If you sit off good players, eventually they're going to hurt you. I feel anyway. Mm. So I would, I would probably really get in amongst them, unsettle them. Say, you know what? You're playing against QPR today. That's what you're going to get for 90 minutes. Are you good enough to overcome that? If they are, they are. But I just feel if we sit off and show them too much respect. That might not be the right approach. But what has been shown at places like the Riverside, and we went up there um, a couple of years ago, I think when Neil Warnock was in temporary charge but wasn't at the fixture, Kevin Blackwell yeah. took the game. We lost to an 89th-minute penalty. Yeah, played ever so well. Played ever so sure well. Their crowd, handball, their crowd yeah. turned on them. They mm. do th Sometimes the bigger, the, the so-called bigger clubs and the more support you get, yeah. I think we touched on about Newcastle, that can be a real strength, yeah. but it actually can work against you as mm. well if yeah. the opposition... That's why first 20 minutes are just so important in these games. And if you're a QPR fan going up there, if we do go at them from the off and it doesn't go to plan, you'd, while you wouldn't want that, you'd almost take that mm. to see us take the game to them. Let's Let's... Go on the front foot, whereas sit back, sit back and yeah. lose. You think oh, you, you've I don't not really think, uh, shown what you can do. I don't think we've got anything to fear. The way we're playing, I think it's all about, yeah, you respect the opposition. We've touched on the wealth of riches that Middlesbrough have got. But, you know, have a look at the way we're playing, the personnel we've got on our side, how, how we played over the last five or six weeks, and go and try and impose yourself again because we've been excellent so far. And give Ollie his dues as well. Ollie doesn't set teams out to draw matches. He sets teams out to go and win them, regardless of who mm. they are. Yes, there'll be different tactics deployed, depending on who the opposition are. But I'm yet to see a game, really, where we've put 10 men behind the ball from the outset. We'll always try and keep two as far up the pitch as we can. There'll always be two bombing wide men that we try and get, again, as far up the pitch we as we can. We spent a few weeks about going to Sheffield Wednesday, yeah. you know, going away. We should have come away with three points. Mm. We're by far the better team. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, nah, nothing, nothing to fear. He showed it at Cardiff as well. He's got no interest in going anywhere for a point. We're away to the league leaders who, at that stage, played 4-1-4. Four, four, yeah. um, we just went at them, went 1-0 up. conceded, we scored the first goal against them as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, he, he knows one way. He's got many ways of getting there, but his one way at the end is home or away to go for three points. I say, uh, we've been... Since the opening day of the season, I think we've been excellent. Uh, obviously, we're going to a highly fancy team in the division. 
bring it on. Let's see what we get and nothing to fear. (laughs) 